Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And happy post-Barbenheimer weekend to you. Did you partake in the festivities? I know you've seen them both, but that didn't stop me. I didn't because I had already seen them both. But I did see everyone having so much fun. All the outfits. I had people sending me photos of the cinemas themselves and just like how busy the lobby was. And it warmed my cold previously did hard. I saw some of the big cinemas in LA. Something happened, like the systems went down or something, and so everyone who was waiting for Barbie or Oppenheimer couldn't get into the movies. There was rioting, and someone tweeted, Barbenheimer has fallen. (laughs) That is the most real thing to happen. So anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed the movies. Fun time. Coming up on the show today, something a little bit different from the Barbie train we've been on, a family we've never talked about before. Never. The, The Kardashians. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, buckle up because they have aired a very highly anticipated episode that was meant to address one of the biggest criticisms of the family. It's just aired. It didn't quite do that, but it did unpack this very unspoken truth about body image, beauty standards and what the family has really been doing. So we're going to get into that. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Okay, did you think we were done talking about Barbenheimer? No, we are not. The box office showdown that has captivated us all. We've now got details of the film's box office debuts and the numbers are staggering. So Greta Gerwig has broken the opening weekend record for a female director with Barbie opening to an estimated 230 million Australian dollars at the North American box office and a total of half a billion Australian dollars worldwide, including 22 million here in Australia. I can't actually comprehend how big that is. This means that Barbie has also scored the top opening of the year to date and one of the top openings since the pandemic. Oppenheimer also had a great weekend, opening to $259 million worldwide, which is very impressive for an R-rated three-hour historical drama. It's also Christopher Nolan's best-ever non-Batman opening. So obviously this is a huge win for Gerwig, for Nolan, for everyone involved in the productions, but the biggest winners were probably cinemas, with The Hollywood Reporter sharing that this was the fourth biggest weekend in theatres of all time and the biggest since Avengers Endgame. Go cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Go cinema. Over the weekend, you may have seen headlines swirling about a Malaysian music festival which was cancelled with two days remaining after onstage antics from British band The 1975. So they were headlining the first day of the three-day Good Vibes Festival in Kuala Lumpur and early into their performance, frontman Maddie Healy, who 
They've been a band for a very long time, but let's be honest, you probably best know him for being Taylor Swift's chaotic rebound earlier this year. I certainly do, not ashamed to say. Didn't know who he was <laughs> before that whole situation. Yeah, so on stage, he ranted about Malaysia's anti-LGBTQIA plus laws. Homosexuality is a crime in the country. Before kissing his bandmate, bassist Ross McDonald. Unfortunately, you don't get a set of loads of uplifting songs because I'm fucking furious. And that's not fair on you because you're not representative of your government. Okay, so obviously the heart of his message, I agree with, and I know you would too, the anti-queer laws and messaging, very bad, very wrong. We all stand against that. Mm -hmm. However, the way he's gone about that is very much centering himself as this kind of maverick anti-hero. Like, it doesn't feel like he's doing that because he truly believes that message. It seems like he's doing it to put on a show and kind of make himself the headline instead of kind of thinking about what the outcome could be for the audience, which is, I'm, I'm assuming, not great. Yeah, exactly. And there's been a whole lot of criticism come his way in line with that. So soon after he ranted, he then kissed Ross on stage and then about 30 minutes into the set. So this was all quite early on in the show. He said they were being cut short and told the crowd like, all right, we got to go. We just got banned from Kuala Lumpur. All right, we got to go. We just got banned from Kuala Lumpur. I'll see you later. And as part of them signing on to headline this festival, the 1975's management had promised that the band would obey, quote, performance guidelines. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, but Maddie Healy is renowned for being a weirdo on stage. He always is kissing people in the crowd on stage and just generally being a little like controversial or unusual as like a performance act in a way. And in 2019, he actually kissed a male fan at a concert in Dubai and then said that he was threatened with arrest before being able to leave the UAE. So there's some history here. And the next morning, the Good Vibes Festival said it had been ordered to cancel the next two days of performances by the Malaysian government and the 1975 have now been banned from performing in Malaysia. So broadly speaking, fans of the band have been super supportive of all this and like I've perused a lot of their conversations over the weekend and mostly they're all like, we're so proud of him for standing up for his beliefs. And, you know, Maddie has for a very, very long time been pro-LGBT. But he's basically a professional troll, right? And he's been shitposting on Instagram over the weekend, just sharing pictures of Ross and making jokes. And what all of that is missing is that As you said, there's a whole other side to this where you have other acts that were scheduled to perform over the weekends and they now had no platform and that impacts the economy and vendors. And you had like local small artists like Malaysian singer-songwriter Mariana who shared a video on social media just feeling really defeated by all of this. Hi guys. Day two of Good Vibes and it's cancelled. There's still a lot of people on the festival grounds, like all the people who work here, all the staff. Anyways, I just want to say... I am so disappointed. Um, I'm not going to listen to the 1975. But I think the most important voices of all of this are those of queer Malaysians, right? And a lot of them have gone on Twitter and other social media platforms over the weekend to label this as, you know, essentially like performative activism and white savoritism. And I don't think, as you said, that anyone is disagreeing with Maddie's point, which is that, you know, these laws are bad, but the execution of it 
is really off because he is a rich British man and his band of rich British men and they've now left the country. And left the fallout to the people who didn't ask him to do that yet. I'd also be interested in whether he still got his appearance fee, which I'm Mm. assuming he did unless there was a clause in the contract for bad behaviour not getting paid, but they still turn up to the concert and played. So I'm assuming they still got paid and then left the other artists without their money. And this is something that a lot of performers face about being offered huge sums of money to go to countries where they might not agree with the rules and politics. And normally what they do is refuse to go and put a statement out about it, which is sometimes a lot stronger than going and derailing the act, taking the money and running with it. Like it would have been better for him to say like, we've been invited to play here, but we don't agree with this. We stand with the queer community and therefore we're not going to play the concert. Exactly. And as a consequence of this, the 1975 have had to cancel their next two shows, which were coming up this week in Jakarta and Taiwan. They have said in a statement that due to current circumstances, it is impossible for them to proceed with the scheduled shows. And as you said, this has kind of created a bit of a mess in the countries that they've now left because you have had extremists that were threatening those shows and you now have these queer Malaysians who are saying we are now stuck with the fallout and you've shone a light on us and we had, you know, worked really hard to find a safe space and that's gone. So, you know, more to come on this mess, I think. So recently, season three of The Kardashians, it's playing at the moment, a very highly anticipated episode aired. So if you cast your mind back to when all the promo for this season started coming out, a lot of it was centred on the whole Courtney and Kim big fight debacle, you know, because they were trying to listen to what fans were saying that the last season was kind of very boring and didn't really get into any of the gritty behind the scenes stuff fans wanted. But the other big thing they were selling the season off was the fact that they were saying for the very first time, the Kardashians and the Jenna family were really going to address some of the biggest criticisms around their brand and that was to do with these kind of impossible beauty standards that they've been promoting over the years. Do you remember the clip going out and Kylie being like, all of us just need to have a bigger conversation about the beauty standards that we're setting. I don't want my daughter to do the things I did. I wish I'd never touched anything to begin with. And a lot of people found this really refreshing because it's something they've always sidestepped in the Mm -hmm. past, saying, like, we don't promote that, we're natural, we just go to the gym sometimes, you know, nothing (laughs) that. When they finished Keeping Up with the Kardashians, when they had that big sit-down with Andy Cohen and he brought that up as one of the prickly questions and Kim shut it down really quickly, saying, we've never lent into that, into beauty standards, we're all very kind of natural just because we like to go to the gym, it's fine. (laughs) So, yeah, that all happened. Oh, my God. So I sat down to watch this episode. It's an interesting plot point out of anything that could family could talk about. This is one of the really interesting things that they could really delve into. Mm -hmm. And it kind of didn't go there. It kind of skated over the top of their part in it. But what it did really well, I thought, was tap into this unspoken idea that's really pushing the body image movement and how people feel about themselves that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with celebrity. One of the biggest misconceptions about me is that I was like this insecure child and I got so much surgery to change my whole face, which is false. I've only gotten fillers and I feel like I don't want that to be a part of my story. I didn't look like my sisters, so therefore it's not good enough. And then when I started whatever, changing my look, you get better makeup, you do fillers, you do whatever. I had a nose job and there's still people constantly bullying you. It's like, so which one is it? You didn't like me then, you don't like me. Like, I, you have to do things for yourself. Who knows if I never heard mom say, talk about my nose if I would no, ever she, think I needed a nose job. Right, she, I definitely heard her Isn't talk about your nose. Isn't that interesting, like how... Yes, yeah, so mom talked about You my don't nose realize in, how you guys always talked about my ears? I love, but I talked about your ears because I love them. But I didn't think, I didn't receive it like that. 
I received it as like everyone's making fun of everyone's. my ears, calling me Did dopey. I? Everyone so pulled. We would call her like little dopeys. Dopey. Oh, as like a little kid. And yeah, I'm like, we never. That me up. Yeah, you never think about I it. I never thought about my ears. And then yeah. for like five years, I never wore an updo. And then yeah. I had Stormy and she has my ears. Yeah. And it made me realize how much I love them. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, if I'm insecure about my ears and but I like cute. think my daughter's the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. And I just like, now I wear an updo every carpet. So obviously there's a few kind of holes in that story. So Kylie Jenner saying that she's only had filler, which is kind of hard to, I know we watched her face change on screen over the years, mm -hmm. but it's hard to look away from the fact that she has a completely different face in a way that can't just be achieved with makeup. So obviously that's not the complete truth. Yeah, look, I feel like they undo everything that they could possibly say that is positive and like a good step in this direction when they are still denying the lengths that they do go to to look like themselves. Exactly, yeah. It was a very missed opportunity in that sense. And they touched on it in a way that was interesting, but it was barely skimming the surface. Like later on, Khloe Kardashian is saying that she didn't realise she was, and she keeps using the word chubby. She's like, I didn't realise I was chubby until everyone pointed it out to me, which looking back at the earlier seasons of the Kardashians, she definitely wasn't. But compared to the other sisters right. and the other body types they worked with, then potentially, yes. And she's like, I would wear a bodycon dress thinking I was beautiful and I'd go out and then I'd see these comments. And it wasn't until that that she started started changing her body and diet and she says she only got a nose job again we think it's more than that but what I thought was interesting was them pointing out how like different things that were said in their family space not so much the media were really the catalyst for a lot of their body changes which I think is this kind of unspoken thing that would ring true for a lot of people and it especially made me think back to early episodes of Keeping Up With The Kardashians like on The Kardashians it's a bit more produced and filtered uh -huh. they're obviously like much bigger stars than they were when the show first started so on these episodes they're very careful when they're being filmed to only talk in ways like you're beautiful you're amazing like right. believe in yourself like they're these Instagram captions gone rogue but in their <laughs> earlier seasons there is a lot of Christiana coming in and saying, like, Kim, don't eat that. Like, you're getting fat. You won't get this thing. This won't happen for you. Courtney, you look bad in that. And a lot of it to Chloe. Like, there's whole episodes, which no one really cared about at the time mm. because it was so normalised for Caitlyn Jenner at the time and Chris Jenner to kind of come in and tell Chloe that she was really fat and her body looked bad and that she'd lost her pretty face, which is a very common thing that a lot of families say. They'll, like, talk about your face instead of your body because it's meant to soften the blow. Right. But it doesn't it really. It does not. And so I thought that was this interesting way of looking at how like the most famous looked at family in the world are uh, trying to kind of blame external beauty standards. But like every other family, the most damage is done within the home. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear Kylie talk about how she doesn't want to be like that because of Stormy, right? And not wanting her daughter to go through something that she went through. And I feel like that is something that over the last decade or so, we've really come a long way in knowing how damaging talk like that can be. And there's like a push to, you know, stop talking about bodies just generally, but especially not in a critical way. But I think that's a generational thing. Like, you know, the 80s, 90s diet culture was so yeah. ingrained, even through to the early 2000s. And it was just so, so ingrained that it was normal to talk like that. And it reminds me a lot of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where you had Yolanda who did talk to Gigi and Bella in a yes. similar way and really, you know, being really worried about what they were eating. And, you know, there's that famous, like, just eat an almond when Gigi's like, I'm so hungry, I feel like I'm going to faint. I'm feeling really weak. <laughs> 
couple of almonds. Chew them really well because your your stomach is not. Okay, I love you too, baby. And I feel like for those generations, it was just normal because it was so ingrained in diet culture and it's not their fault because that's how they were sort of, you know, they were brought up with that and they were seeing that and it's just a projection. And it's really interesting to hear them acknowledge that. Yeah, and I think what you're saying about a different time frame maybe changing how people talk. I mean, I don't know, I would love to think that parents nowadays wouldn't or just family in general wouldn't talk about their bodies and that in front of their kids because there's so much education now. But then at the same time, it's more important than ever how you look because so much of our Mm. jobs and and how we get treated is based off how we look on social media and that's still very rooted towards being like thin and looking a certain way. So it's kind of hard to think like, is it getting any better? I just kind of wish the Kardashians had gone a little bit deeper on kind of exploring this because I feel like, especially for millennial women and how they were raised, this episode, it's not the answer we were looking for because I wanted them to take responsibility for how they've kind of promoted these unrealistic beauty standards and how they'll never own up to it. Mm. And they went a kind of different way. But it did kind of make me think like when Chloe said, like, I didn't know I looked bad until my family pointed it out. I was like, oh my God, that's the same for me. Like when I was growing up, I didn't realize there was anything wrong with my body and to like family members and aunts and stuff would point it out and kind of say like you know lovely and slim is the way to be like bigger is bad and you kind of have that in your head I even have a fringe because my mum said my face was too big or my sisters do and again just it's like Kylie's ears like it's a really throwaway comment yeah but now I'm just so worried about my face being big and that being pointed out to me as like a teen that now I'm like before ever record I'm like let me fix my hair (laughs) let me put my fringe over Chelsea's like I hate you saying that we do joke about how your fringe is like the third person yeah it's to cover up because I'm self-conscious about how big my face looks and if I'm thinking that just think like how the Kardashian-Jenner kids are going to feel growing up with that glare of their parents and how they look on social coming back to them. Yeah, I think with the Kardashians, like this obviously explains sort of their behaviour, but I'm not sure it can excuse it because, you know, they are still out there promoting, you know, in the past they've promoted weight loss products and, you know, partnerships and really intensive photoshopping. And I think when you're a Kardashian, those things are no longer about just your own insecurity. It's a projection to the world and you're telling the world about what is most valuable. They're making money off those toxic ideas. And so, you know, I understand that this is something that they've internalised, but they're also projecting it. And so it's just kind of like this circular argument in my brain of like, they're the problem, but we're all the problem. And oh, it's just a mess. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick, and Taylor Strano with audio production by Madeline Joannou. Our executive producer is Gia Moylan. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au and over on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye. Na 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 na